welcome to Reach Out Podcast. Yeah, so this this a podcast around mental health on the island. Uh, different, obviously, different people's perspectives, life stories, that kind of thing. Very open, honest conversation. Uh, hopefully, we do many more with a lot of different people. But today, you're in the hot seat, Paul Jones, LMA manager. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, nervous, but yeah, I'm nervous as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. now we'll get there. Um, you've got a great story. Well, life story. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll find out, won't we? How many people listen to the end of it? <laughs> well, uh, to, to be honest, the, the aim of the game here is to for people to get tips and things like that. So, like of what I've been through, if someone got one tip out of what I did to get myself back to where I'm at now, yeah. then that's enough, isn't it? I, I hope that's enough, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, yeah. If some if somebody gets something out of this other than me and you talking to each other for an hour, then <laughs> it's been a bonus, hasn't it? <laughs> if it goes quiet, then I'll probably fall asleep anyway. <laughs> Listen, so keep your story going. <laughs> Um, yeah, so tell me where you started. Um, obviously, you're a football player, well, football manager now, but you started playing. Yeah, um, sports always been massive in my life. Anyone who knows my family, yeah. and my dad and my mum, and their backgrounds on the Isle of Man will know that I couldn't really get away with not playing sport. So it's always been a huge part of my life. Um, and it happened that um, football was the one, the thing that I was probably better at than others but having said that I probably football was the one that I tried hardest at mm. yeah and I obviously with dad being so good um yeah I've heard the stories he was all right to yeah. be fair he's like the best player I've ever seen yeah so many people have said that to me you know but I was, I obviously I only knew him from when he taught me maths and shouted yeah, at me yeah. <laughs> he, he was good at that as well yeah, he was very good at that he was <laughs> yeah I've heard good things about him playing yeah he was some player with dad um I probably don't tell him enough but he was unbelievable like yeah, too good for the Isle of Man. But there was, a, there was a number of players of that era that were amazing footballers, and I used to love on a Saturday afternoon just going and watching them play. It was, it was brilliant, you know. And I wanted to be able to be for people to to talk to me in the same breath as my dad, but that's never really so, happened. Same, I think that's same with me and my brothers. So, Paul, take us back to earlier in your football career. Yeah, when I didn't get another professional contract at eighteen years of age, nineteen years of age. That affected the rest of, well, yeah, the rest of my life. But you know, the the next 10, 12 years of my life and all my relationships, personal, like um, professional relationships, family relationships, personal relationships, um, it affected me on every level. Um, and although I had an amazing kind of ten or twelve years, lots of different experiences, probably the way I conducted myself was not great. Um, was I depressed? I don't know. I don't know. Um, did I have times where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Did they last for months? No. It was more like days at a time rather than months at a time. Did I seek any help? No. Um, I found by keeping busy, that kept my mind busy. Therefore, I didn't need to worry about it. I found drink. I found going out every Wednesday, Friday, Saturday was my way of numbing the pain. Yeah. Um, found chasing women as a way of getting some recognition after the one thing in my life that I wanted to do spurned me. Yeah. You know, being a professional footballer, I, I uh, that was it. That's all I wanted to do. And when I couldn't fit into that world, no matter how hard I tried, um, I needed to feel like somebody wanted me. Yeah. Um, and that meant that I tried to get attention from the opposite sex. Um, in order to make me feel good about myself, but that lasted for a very short period of time before I needed some more recognition elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and that kind of was my life for 10 or 12 years and the people that met me along those 10 or 12 years, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a particularly nice person, um, but a lot of it was, was due to kind of protecting myself and trying to get some recognition. So as I said to you before, I think I, well, I know I did, I, I lived in 27 different houses in 21 years um, because every time I felt settled I moved every time I felt like things were going okay I moved every time I felt like I was in a half decent relationship I put a bomb in it yeah so they never found out that I was not good enough for them even though I'd done anything 
to prove that to them. Yeah. You know, it's, it was that kind of protective feeling of if I can't fit into football, then that has affected everything through for 10 or 15 years or 10 or 12 years. And I didn't deal with it at all. And it only got to a point with uh, my now wife, Sarah, um, who's been unbelievable. Um, you know, we got to a point where I almost threw a bomb in that one as well. Yeah. that relationship and, and I realised that I just couldn't <clears throat> carry on and ended up um, going and seeing a counsellor and you know had therapy for a period of time and really really helped me really yeah. helped me to come to terms with the loss that I had a, as a 19 year old um, it, it really helped me to to be a better person to build better relationships with people to understand my insecurities and my issues but so I didn't project that onto the rest of my my world, which is what I had been doing. Yeah. Um, and I had like 10, I'd say 10, 12 years of, of knowing that I wasn't behaving a, a, a well, knowing that I was behaving very differently to the 16, 17 year old who left the Isle of Man. Yeah. Knowing that my behavior probably wasn't gonna make anyone that knew me as a 16, 17 year old particularly proud and just beating myself up. It was just a vicious circle over and over again and actually made everything worse. Um, and, you know, like I say, got to a point where I needed to do something about it. And fortunately I had the support to do that. Um, in the last six years, I've been a half decent bloke. Yeah. Um, but it, it took me 12 years to get to that point after what, what happened with the football and not really coming to terms with it. Um, and I guess the academy and I guess the way that I interact with the, the men's football team and the conversations we've had about, you know, reaching what you're trying to do is, is my way of helping people to figure themselves out well enough so as they can cope when bad stuff, yeah. <clears throat> whether that's death or separations or not getting your dream job which in essence all it was for me it was just like i had this dream i kind of almost got there within touching distance and didn't happen so it's in the grand scheme of things it's not that big a deal but i built it up into such a big deal that it massively... was your life though wasn't it yeah it was your life then yeah yeah and you know i was a i was a paul jones a footballer from 16 to yeah 19 which is a bloody brilliant thing to say <laughs> <laughs> and then i was paul jones the ex-footballer yeah um, which is a is something that you're still attached to football. You know, you're still a footballer, just you're not like a real one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was my identity for ages. And it took me a long. It took me really until I had my counselling to to take that identity away from myself and go. I'm Paul Jones. That's part of what I did. That's part of my story. But that doesn't define my story. Um, I'm also a dad. I'm also you know a husband. I'm also a half decent friend to to people who I'm fortunate enough to be my friends. Yeah. Um, I'm an average brother. I can be a better brother to my sister. I'm a pretty crap son to my mum and my dad. Um, I know I can be an awful lot better with that, but they're all the roles that I play yeah. and it's up to me to be as good as I can be within each of those roles um, when I'm playing those roles rather than I'm always an ex-footballer because that then means I'm going to be crap at every other role because every other role doesn't yeah. live up to that expectation of football. Um, so one of the things we talk quite a lot about with the with the kids in the academy is that um, you're not an athlete, you're not a footballer, you're not a cyclist, you're not a swimmer. That's just something you do, yeah. And you happen to be quite good at this and good at it in this moment in time. That's great, but you might not be forever. So if you identify yourself as a swimmer, then when you're not a swimmer anymore, what are you? You still you? understand. You're still you, aren't you? That makes a lot of sense. You're still you. And if we can help people to identify, it's part of who you are and what you do, not the only thing that you do and it's for you to set the narrative about how people define you rather than allowing them to call you a swimmer it's not it's not it's like you're adam you're not you know you're not whatever it but adam the footballer you're not you, you know. couldn't have been called that no i know <laughs> it's just i was reaching for something <laughs> reach you like yeah, it yeah, thank you <laughs> but uh yeah it and that's based out of my experience, because eh? I I just went in a in a in a downward spiral for a long time, um, and you know kind of didn't really take any accountability or ability or responsibility for my actions because I just accepted that 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 was 
how I was. Um, and it was only by pressing a pause button and going and speaking to somebody and, and working through some of the insecurities that I had. Insecurities have. Are, are a massive part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and still have. Like, yeah. I still second guess. I still... Um, I'm still trying to prove something to somebody and I've not yet realised I'm trying to prove it to myself. <laughs> Sounds um, like it. Yeah. Um, but that gives me quite a lot of drive and determination to do what I'm doing. So I don't want to lose that, but I also need to like burst the pressure bubble that I build up on myself all the yeah. time. I still keep, want to keep myself too busy. You know, I, I, I still, um, you know, don't like sitting. Like Sarah's out of the house and the daughter's out of the house, or even if she's upstairs in bed, I can't sit still. I can't like sit and watch a film or watch a program. I can't like concentrate. So I, I, I work. Yeah. The only time I can switch off is when I sleep. And then if I don't sleep very well, then I'm not really switching off. So it's a tough. It's yeah, a yeah. Tough. But I, I, I know that part of it is me, and part of it is I have to deal with. But um, I know I'm not the only person that feels like that, and yeah. I also know that with social media and with constantly people able to get in contact with you, if you don't manage that very well, then it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And when do you switch off? When do you have time to calm down? When do you have time to let your mind just chill out a little bit? You know, I, I know all this stuff and the research behind, um, you know, being a half decent human being, but I can't follow it. <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm sat there, stood up there talking to, to people at the Sport Aid Academy and going, I can't do any of this stuff. You know, I'm I'm here talking to you about how you can do it, but I'm struggling my backside off. Do you know what I mean? I'm like yeah. a duck sat on water with my legs just going like that but, constantly. Yeah, I get that, but you're a, you're a, you know, for them, for them younger people that you work with, you're a, you've been there and you've lived that life that you're trying to stop them from and into kind of thing yeah, not, I'm not trying to stop them doing it no, no, I don't mean like stop them give them the skills to exactly. cope when they hit a, a, hit a bump in the road or a cliff do you yeah. know what I mean it's well, like that, having it. the skills they can look up to you they can look up to you and say well you know Paul did go away and, and you did play professional football and you didn't get that contract that you, you thought you were going to get but how you dealt with life afterwards wasn't the best way no. and and you knew that so well, you, well, by living experience you can you can help them to not yeah, but yeah, but it, it, I still I still can't get out of my head that um, so when I'm standing up there in front of the academy and we're going to start again in September, I'm going to have to work very hard not to stand up there and go. I had a dream to be a professional footballer, and I should say, and I succeeded, although it was for only one year. I, I did succeed in that, but I didn't have a career. You know, I sat down with name drop Colin Calderwood and Chris Hutton and all the rest of it when I was working at Norwich. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about having professional careers and when, when would they consider somebody having a professional career and we were having a bit of banter and Colin Coldwood, you know, ex-Tottenham captain and all the rest of it goes, only after you've had 100 appearances can you say you've been a professional footballer? No, that's ridiculous. No, 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 but you know... I, I get it. I understand yeah, what you're saying and all the rest yeah. of it, but I would still stand up there and say I failed because I didn't do what I wanted to do and I thought I was capable of doing. Now I've, I've still got to do it a little bit of work on myself to go actually I didn't fail I just I was going to say what, do you, what do you how do you look at it now like um, cause I feel, like from my point of view I think you've absolutely succeeded in it like, like yeah, you, ha but the, you have the, then this goes back to um, the, something we said really that, that close to the beginning of the, the podcast is um, you know I, I went away like a 16 year old you're saying goodbye to everybody you you know shaking hands you're giving people hugs you're going I'm going to go and be a professional footballer you Away think you that's go. it for that's years. it job done. I'm not coming back to you all man yeah 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 this is me job done I'm mm -hmm. going to go and make a career myself and, and whether it's in England or Scotland or somewhere else in the world that's me job done at 18 19 and um, before I stayed away you're then coming back um, and you're not a professional footballer anymore you know you've what's happened why aren't you? Oh, I wasn't good enough. Well, I didn't get another con why didn't you get another contract? Well, I know why I didn't get another contract, but unfortunately for me, it wasn't because I was good enough. But that and that that doesn't help me come to terms with it. Yeah. But um, you still then got loads of questions when you come back to the Isle of Man, and then you, there's a perception of people talking behind your back about it. Then there's that feeling like you've like you failed, and there's a feeling like you've not done your dad proud or your mum proud. Yeah. And there's a feeling mm -hmm. like 
you're coming <clears> back <throat> into a community having not done what you're out to achieve and I know I'm not the only person that feels like that having gone away from the Isle of Man and come back again yeah. um, because everybody's aware not everybody but you feel like everybody's aware everybody in football was aware of what you're going and doing like everybody in I don't know any other sport knows when people leave the Isle of Man they're going and leaving and then if they come back they're aware they come back that feeling of coming back um, and, and the feeling for the individual that comes back into this environment is usually oh my god I've failed or they're not going to think I've done well enough or I could have done so much better and you, you do you do have that feeling of you know the Manx nation and you, you, you're out there representing and you're trying to tr blaze a trail for other people and again yeah. maybe I overthink things and maybe other people don't think like that but I did I thought if I can do well here then other people in the future will get an opportunity and you come away and you come back and you go I've, I've blown it or I've not done as well as I could have done so therefore that might have a lasting impact on other people and I know I overthink stuff well, you but, you obviously do because it <laughs> strip it strip it down. But nobody came back. In, no, when I came back, not one person, not one person said to me, "Well done." Wow. So that goes back to if someone had said, "Well done," maybe the fear. I don't need to have those. those yeah, thoughts, yeah, I get I? that. I get that. Or, or if if they go, well, why not? Why haven't you done that? Why didn't you do that? Or how you know how you feeling and blah blah blah. That doesn't say. Oh, by the way, we're proud of what you did. Yeah. In our eyes, you succeeded because you got a pro contract. And it's not about me. Like it's about anybody in the Isle of Man at any time or anywhere. You know, it's it's that unsaid something that has been unsaid, even though people may be thinking it, has then has a potential to have an impact on the individual. Spi it's just your mind spirals. I'm the yeah. sort of person that it spirals Same. out of control. I am, yeah. I'm and big, I think there's a lot definitely. of people on the Isle of Man like that yeah, because yeah. of all the stuff we spoke about beforehand. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and I know there's an awful lot of people, you know, who do quite well in sport who maybe don't go as far as they would like to, who then come back into the Isle of Man environment and nothing's said. So people don't know what to say to them, so they don't say anything. Yeah. Um, or they want to know the detail, they want to know the gossip around, you know, why they're not in the UK anymore or, or yeah. competing around the world. Of course they do. Uh, why can't it why can't it be? Oh, by the way, I thought what you've done over the last few years yeah. is brilliant. We're all proud of you. Yeah. No matter what happens now in the you know, what you've done has been brilliant. I know I know when I I went with Connor Connor Doyle a few times to yeah. hit some of his trials. And I know I was massively proud of him just watching him. You know, playing out there in front yeah. of all this this crowd and you know I was mm. I was done the crowd saying to the guy next to me they were like who's who's this guy on trial yeah. and I'd be I'd be oh he's my mate Connor yeah, yeah. and you know I was I was super proud knowing that you know I was from the Isle of Man and he was he was going and doing mm. this and especially lads in America look what Liam Doyle's doing yeah, yeah. like he, it's incredible he's it's flying fantastic. flying the flag things like that but I'm gonna go back when you say like you you were thinking back then like maybe maybe it'd have a lasting effect on people who want to go and do it in the future if you failed you're giving people the opportunity to go away as well and and have careers so that can go out of the window because you, you don't even need to think about that because yeah. look what you've look what the opportunity you've given people now yeah yeah and, and, you know what I mean and that you know that was how I felt then I don't I didn't yeah. I don't continue to feel like that but it's part of my drive for what I'm doing in football with we're trying to set up a football club and to play off Ireland. I didn't know if we were allowed to mention that. Yeah, well, well okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're not going to talk about it in detail, but yeah, FT Alaman. Um, we're trying <laughs> to set that up. The stuff I do with the Sport A, Alaman Sport Aid and Sport Aid Academy is, is me trying to provide opportunities that for other people that were given to me by Paul Truman, by Richard Hodgson, by yeah. other people on the Alaman who I'm, who I'm really grateful for. Um, for going out of their way for me you know and I, I think you know part of why I do what I do is you know if I'm not doing it not who is but you know it's like you know Dicko does the same with the stuff he does with for the football lads you know goes out of his way to get people opportunities that, you know he's yeah. really people don't understand no what I, he does. I didn't either and he he probably doesn't want me publicizing it or telling people too much but what he has done in order to help some young people um, have opportunities in in the game is is unbelievable over the years and fair play to him. But his again, it comes down to you know he wants people to have the opportunities that he say. had, um, 
and also to to take advantage of those opportunities maybe better than we did at the time by maybe giving them some of the support that was lacking when we were there but also giving them the skills and the independence and the self-reliance and um and capacity to to cope when they get there so they don't fall out of the game or they don't fall out of the sport like like we did and like lots and lots of other people have done from the Isle of Man you know we produce an unbelievable amount of young people who could be professional athletes in a wide range of sports like what we do and I won't I won't bore you to death around this but it's one of the best places in the world to be a to be a developing athlete but we don't have a very good percentage of keeping them yeah in the programs once they get to 19, 20, 21, 22. And part of that is the capacity to cope physically or psychologically, mentally, emotionally, um, because of some of the great things that are here on the Isle of Man turn into not being overly helpful when you get into the big wide world. So, you know, part of our drive is to help make sure people have the skills that we didn't and other people didn't. It's a credit to be fair to, to you guys, like massively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not everyone to think that. I don't think everyone to think that way at all. I think some people are just, you know, rather not get back involved and sort of go and hide away for the rest of their lives and do a bank job or do it. Do you know what I mean? Do something different. Yeah, I think some of it is is like Lee and I are very different people. Um, he's a slightly louder than I am. Um, slightly. <laughs> um, he likes talking to people more than I do. Um, but but we don't um, stand and wait for people. You know, we crack on and do stuff. I think sometimes people either need to be asked or they need they don't understand how they can help or where they fit in. Um, and um, we also, I don't think, recognise on the Isle of Man just how many amazing people in a wide variety of professions and skills that, that we have on our shores. Mm. Um, and maybe we don't... Um, offer them opportunities to to give Progress. back you know and and sometimes people need to be asked don't they rather than expecting them just to jump at it but they need to a, an opportunity needs to be identified and, and sometimes you've got to ask people before and then as soon as they're asked they're all in aren't they yeah but, yeah yeah um dicko and i just kind of just crack on and do it you know and, and don't worry too much about being asked yeah. Well, like I said, I, I didn't I didn't understand sort of the background of how 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 you can help younger people, you know, go away and play things like that. Mm. That's that's incredible because I know I know when I was younger there was there was so many players that could have could have gone and played mm. like away. There was so many, but they just weren't getting anywhere. No. And it was like a, the sort of stumble, stumbling block and. I don't know what what was was Dicko still playing then was he Yeah he was he was at St Mary still He's probably on the bench or getting sent off and watching from the crowd No he was he was showboating in the middle I think shouting at people Yeah, yeah. He, he, it was him and um, him and Wrighty Yeah House some Paul midfield. Wright was so midfield Paul Wright came to Stockport 2 years after me unbelievable player um a loss to the Manx game that he's not still playing Huge football. isn't it I yeah. think I honestly like couldn't agree more with that and you know I think every player on the other man that has, that has seen him play says the same thing Yeah, they do say the same thing Yeah, but yeah like back then there, were, there was Paul Truman obviously he took all on the school of excellence yeah. when we were doing it yeah. and like again it was the Cruyff turns that kind of thing do you know the flashback as soon as you said Cruyff turn <laughs> came in my head of doing it on the um, the hockey pitch up at the NSC yeah, yeah. <laughs> hilarious but yeah I'm, I mean there wasn't many sort of People that have have had experienced, you know, the the pro game mm. when when we were growing up anyway, yeah, because yeah. you were still, well, Dicko was still playing. You were away, yeah. obviously. It was only until Dicko stopped and you stopped, and things started to you see, you see more and more kids going away and and getting opportunities, which is yeah fantastic. It, it is. Um, it's a it's a it's a completely different um, topic, really. But um, yeah, it is the the. But then the the pressure and expectation of you know lads at ten, eleven, twelve going away um, on trial at various clubs. It, mm. Some of them have even been going away two or three times a week to play. Parents having to foot the bill. Um, you know, clubs saying, yeah, yeah, come and have the opportunities. Doing really well. You know, he's part of this, that, and the other. And then a year or two years down the line, now, sorry, he's not good enough anymore. 
we'll help them find a club honest and then don't yeah. you know and <clears throat> unfortunately in the Isle of Man um, with the, the the drop of water that is in between us and the mainland you know where people think they have to be attached to pro sport or, or GB programs or whatever at younger and younger ages and they don't like our, our environment is unbelievable at at helping people be exceptional at sport up to the age of like 16, 17. Yeah. We as a, as a community can be a little bit better at helping them maintain levels as they progress without having to go two or three times a week to a Wigan or to a Man City or to a Morecambe because think about what that pressure it puts the kid under. Think about um, you don't the think time. About it though, do you? Is it, is it like an outsider? You don't think about how much pressure that child must be under, or the parents. Are... Yeah, so financial pressure for the parents. Yeah. The kids know that the parents are paying a load of money, yeah. so the pressure to make it is not just yeah. because everybody knows they're doing it, or because they've got the opportunity, but because the parents are paying a shed load of money for it. Even though the parents say, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay," you know, it doesn't matter. You know, we're not going to hold you to account if you don't make it. The kid still has it on their shoulders, you know, regardless of that. So. Um, you think about the the lack of social time they get with their, their mates because yeah. they're travelling all the time There's the effect it has on their schoolwork the effect it has on their sleep patterns you know there's there's a few different examples of, of, of people kind of getting chronic fatigue syndrome or kind of serious issues that have stopped them from competing in their sports just because they've been travelling off island so much at yeah. times when they're growing and developing and turning from kids into adults mm. you know and people see these shiny things going on in the UK and think we have to be part of that and it's like part of what we're doing is, is hopefully trying to make sure that they don't, that at least if they're doing it they understand what the potential risks are associated with that and then they can mitigate for those risks yeah. um, rather than just going full full on because um, professional sport's brutal, you know you can be flavour of the week one, one minute and then the next you're gone um, you know you, you can be playing um, every week in in a team and get to a Wembley final and then get dropped, which Go is on. what happened to me. Yeah, wow. Yeah, because I was the youngest in the squad. You'll come back here again. It's like no, I won't. They're knocking it down. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're building a new Wembley in two games time. I won't nice be able to be back here again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that, that I don't know. That would have been a killer for me. Like to get to get there and yeah, I think you know. That was a year after I, I didn't get my. Oh, it's mad. The year after I didn't get my, my my second year pro or you know another contract, so I, I kind of find my way back into Southport and, and or into Southport and getting into the team and doing quite well. Get to the FA Trophy final, and it was just kind of like feels like you get setback after setback after setback, and your levels of resilience to each setback kind of drop and drop and drop. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it, then it takes only a very small thing to flip you out completely. So this was like still quite early on in my journey of trying to be get back into pro football. And yeah, Futch, the manager, you know, you're not in the squad tomorrow. You're the youngest in the squad. Other players are older. It'll be their last opportunity. You'll, you'll probably get back here again. So that's it, job done. So as I said at lunch, I... Got my full kit on, did the warm up. Because <laughs> I, I knew I'd never get another chance, oh, so I'd, I'm going to go and warm up. And I was classing the warm up, best I've played all year. <laughs> it's like this is this is my this is where I belong. <laughs> I should be playing at Wembley every week. Um, go on, I was the la last one to go back in after the warm up because um, I thought I've got to score a goal at Wembley. <laughs> this would be class. It's something to tell the grandkids. So I'd take a touch at my feet on the edge of the area and rifle one into the bottom corner, except it didn't go in the bottom corner. It missed the goal <laughs> completely. So I couldn't even score an open net at Wembley. And then I like looked around, see if any of the 27,000 people in the stadium were watching and then just trotted back off into the, into the changing room. But, uh, the worst thing was the manager who didn't give me the contract at Stockport County was um, doing the match commentary for that Ooh. particular game. So I had to see him after the game. He was, you know, saw me and uh, had an, oh, you're not in the squad then? No, I didn't get in the squad, Gaffer, no. Yeah, cheers for that. Yeah, cheers for that. It's, made, it's kicked me when I'm down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, like, as you say, the, your levels of resilience, if you haven't got the capacity and you haven't got the support network and you haven't got the skills, it takes little bits and I was picking a fight then with football and yeah. finding ways to throw my dummy out the 
pram and walk away. Um, and eventually I found found a reason, which was a stupid reason. You know, I was at Geisley. Um, and the uh, I was in the reserves, um, knowing that the first team would probably need me because the right back was injured. And the reserve team manager didn't ring me to tell me the meeting point for a game on the Saturday, but I knew. Yeah. But he didn't tell me, so I didn't turn up. And wow. I blamed him. I said that was bang out of order, not telling me where it was. Walked away from the club. And that really? Was, yeah, yeah. The chairman came to see me <clears> to get me to go back because they needed me. And I was like, no, I've had it. That's it, job done. See you later. And I didn't play semi-pro again after that. Is that is that does that go back to like you say you, you used to throw bombing things? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the the level I don't know. We had a, I was playing at a team called Osset when I was at uni, and um, when we were training again, I was we were training with the reserves one night. Although I was playing in the first team, and the reserve team manager dropped dead and had a heart attack during our training session. Wow. Um, there's a lot of young lads there. We did CPR on him for a while till the ambulance came. I went and identified the body. I told the manager, just tell the lads that he was dead at the scene. Like they, their CPR couldn't have helped him. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, Otherwise, it might mess with them a little bit. So we went back and told the lads that. And then the, that happened on a Monday night. And then we met on the Thursday night with a game on the Saturday. So he called a meeting with everybody. He was like, what, what do you want to do for Saturday? And everybody, this lad, Mick, had been at the, at the club for years and years, and they were all like, oh, we're not in the right frame of mind to play. We're not playing. So they're like, okay, that's fine. Not a problem. Um, see you at training, Saturday, 2 o'clock. And everyone just looked around the room and was like, what? <laughs> so I wasn't shy back then. I kind of said, look, Gaffer, to be honest, I don't think that that's appropriate. If we're not in the right frame of mind to play, we're not in the right frame of mind to train because you're not going to accept us all just turning up and going through the motions. You're yeah. going to want a full hit out of us. Mm. So it's like, oh, you're here two o'clock training. I said, I think, I think you're wrong. If we're training, we're playing. And if yeah. we're not playing, well, we're, yeah. not, we're not training. So he made us all train. I didn't turn up. And that was me done at that football club. <laughs> I just, I didn't turn up. I didn't go back. But my, my coping mechanism is walking away. My coping mechanism is, is not communicating. My coping mechanism is... Um, avoiding conflict you know if there's if there's an issue for 10 12 years I wouldn't raise it I would just walk away I'd like throw a bomb under it I'd just you know mm. disappear walk away gone um, find a new job find a new girlfriend yeah. find a new whatever it might be and that's not that's not appropriate communication is it or appropriate like life skills so um, I think one of the things I'm a little bit better at now is is being able to talk through things and a lot of what we do with the academy and a lot of what we do with um, even the senior men's team is, is having open communication and being able to talk through things, talk through issues. Just because you disagree doesn't mean, you know, you don't like each other. It's part of a normal relationship, you know, it's, but you've got to work through it. You've got to trust each other and respect each other enough to be able to tell each other when you disagree and then mm. work through those issues and work through those problems rather than putting the shutters down and disappearing, which is what a lot of people do, I think. Yeah, it it hit a nerve when you said that about the the blocks of resilience sort of getting smashed down. Because yeah. I actually think that that's that's what triggered mine completely. Yeah, I think it was just a few knocks, like little knocks. They weren't massive knocks. No, yeah, it was yeah. little knocks, and it got to a point where I where I just felt so tired and so drained. Yeah, and that's when you know his first panic attack hit me like a ton of bricks, yeah. and then I couldn't get out of that hole. Then I was just there was no resilience left. It yeah, had gone. Yeah, yeah. And like you, I, you know, I, I probably wasn't the nicest guy. I, I probably, especially with women, I didn't, I didn't treat them the way they should be treated. You yeah. know, I, I went maybe looking for that when I shouldn't have. Yeah. And I think it was just a, like a, a build up of little tiny knocks that just completely because obviously I, I thought I haven't got anything to be panicked over to yeah. be worried about anything like that yeah. when I actually strip it down I think there was little things in my life at that point that really did affect me like obviously quite hard yeah. and it, it's only it's only when all of that sort of kicks off and happens yeah. you realise that you broke all them barriers down yeah. and there isn't any barriers left yeah. and you're going to fall yeah. Yeah. but you d obviously 
now, like like you say, I've I've done my research. That's how I got out of it. I done my research and how to build that resilience back. How yeah. to techniques on like to stop panic attacks so that you can start to build that resilience against the panic attack again. Mm. And I think that's been massive in my life. Yeah. It's been building them blocks back up. Yeah, it's it's like life. I think you said before, life's tough. Life's life's a series of like stuff that tests you just happens all the time and yeah no one goes through life where it's just oh we are there's everything no no, no nobody not, not at all and like like shit happens yeah. quite frequently whether it's your car needing extra work done or you know getting a parking ticket or having an argument with someone or not getting the promotion you wanted or you know there's so many bits that test you mm-hmm. yeah and if you don't have periods of good or hope or something that builds you back up again in between all those little bits then it does like drain you and drop you away yeah, of course so it, you it's know, natural though isn't it it's of course, funny. yeah of course yeah. it is and that's that's for everybody you know and i i before the island games i was really low i was the lowest i'd been for years long long time and um, i had a two or three week period where i was struggling like and i don't you can't even explain why yeah, I think everything just got a bit too much for me. I was, I'd kind of spread myself a bit too thin, and I was in a really kind of, I wouldn't say bad. You know, I was in a bad place. You know, I was I was a bit bit worried about myself and um, worried about how I was or wasn't interacting with my family and, yeah. and friends. But on you know anybody who knew me in a work mode or football mode wouldn't have wouldn't really have seen a difference. Um, but we had an amazing experience in the Island Games. I went away and met some university friends for four days in Toronto. And I came back a different person. Yeah. Because we we I had a that those two experiences rebuilt me again and gave me the space, re energized yeah, yeah, me yeah. to then be able to cope with what's gonna happen next, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um and i I probably had, when I look back, I'd probably had a series of months or maybe you know, nine months where it'd been graft, you know, I'd been getting through stuff, I'd been, you know, yeah, you just were, dealing with life do you know yeah. what I mean and I'd not had a period of time you know those little moments with family or with friends that build you back up but it's not like three or four days of amazing experiences where you're laughing loads and you're you know you know you take and take yourself outside of your day-to-day existence um and you know I wasn't exercising as much as I, I used to used to and it just all as you say it just like little things just chipped away and it got to a point where like I, I can't deal with one more thing one more thing and I don't know how I'm going to deal with it like I'm at that point and I, I just the Island Games came around fortunately regardless of how we did it was an amazing experience the yeah. lads were brilliant the coaching staff were brilliant and then the trip away with my mates it, it, it re-energised me and it, and it flipped me back in and now I feel like I've got the capacity to cope a little bit more but I still need to build a little bit more yeah. re- skill sets within myself you know um, but you noticed that you, that's yeah a good now thing. I did you yeah, noticed yeah. it and you, yeah, yeah. Got, you, you stopped yourself from falling in because you noticed that there was something not right about yourself, yeah. And you, you know, you, you went and did the right thing, and you got, you went and and yeah. had had a chat, got cut, whatever you, you did, you counselling, yeah. You went and did that, and yeah. you went away, you re-energised, and yeah. No, like you, you, you notice them things now, which is which is massive. Yeah, and that's part of that, like stuff with the Sport Aid Academy and yeah. the stuff we're doing. You know, is is helping people to understand their highs and lows, which we all have, and and mm. what gives them energy and what drains their energy and making sure they do the stuff that gives them energy on a regular basis and you know take a a kind of that feeling of loss of control that we all have these days because of the way life is you know it's finding ways to give yourself a little bit of control and maybe that's why people are doing like individual sports more cycling long distance running you know the gym type stuff because they can do it when they want to it's in their control they can push themselves it gives them that space Mm. from life that they otherwise wouldn't have um you know whatever it is that energizes your family time whatever it is then make sure that it's planned and you do it on a regular basis because that gives you the, the capacity to cope with the inevitable crap that happens in life um and if you just drill on through life it's going to get the better of you at some point <laughs> i mean I, i've honestly i i never knew how important it was to sort of you know go and exercise get your diet balanced 
drink water. I didn't understand. Yeah. You know, I was piling myself full of Pringles, coffee. Like, there was nothing good in my diet or yeah. nothing good in... I wasn't exercising. I was going to work and I was saying to myself, well, that's my exercise because I was doing a manual job. Yeah. But realistically, it wasn't because, you know, I knew how to lift them things, so it was just emotion. Yeah. It wasn't exercise. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realise how important them things were. And honestly, now, I notice everything. So I, I stopped drinking coffee. I just mm. stopped drinking it because it gave me that feeling I didn't like. Yeah. The, the anxiousness which gives anyone, I think. Yeah. But I noticed now that, you know, I wake up in the morning instead of having a coffee, I'll neck a glass of water and I'm wide awake. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's the effect that it has on your body. And like we were saying at lunchtime, there's so many people that, you know, don't look after these things, don't understand how incredibly important they can be yeah. towards your mental health and your physical health. Yeah. Yeah, having a good night's sleep, eating properly and drinking properly, and exercising. I, I, regardless of what I exercise, going out in nature, yeah, yeah, yeah. which we've got abundance of. Go and yeah. go and walk around one of the reservoirs or do a coastal walk, and and that's one of the best things you can do for your physical and mental health. You know, it's those four things: exercise, drink, eat, sleep. Get them right, and you you get more capacity to cope. You know, get them wrong, and then your capacity decreases. And you're more likely to find it more difficult to get over the tough stuff that happens inevitably yeah. to every single one of us in life. And you know, unfortunately, um, you know, add to the la add to that list, laugh. You know, have yeah, time yeah, with yeah. people, have good times, enjoy yourself, um, be in the company of people that you really enjoy being with. Um, unfortunately, because of um, technology, you know, I run with me watch. You know, it, you know, there's a thing in running at the minute that people are getting rid of the technology and running by feel a little bit more yeah. so they're in tune with how they feel rather than relying on technology to tell them how they feel yeah you need you know, to go the extra mile like on your what your watch says you need to go the extra yeah. mile but you've got maybe two in you yeah and you but you're not pushing yourself but you're not because, pushing yourself to do it oh, or, yeah, makes, or vice sense. versa to my, on my heart rate it's 170 it's normally 160 i'll, I'll ease back a little yeah, bit yeah. It's like, you know, don't push it too yeah. Yeah, yeah but if you don't you're not aware and you're just aware of how you feel and you just you know that we're so reliant now on technology and it's dominating our lives and giving us a feedback all the time that we're not listening to ourselves and we're not listening to other people and we're not taking our feedback based on back to the human relationships you know and if if as a wider community in the Isle of Man, we can, we can try and be better, you know, and, and try yeah. and have eye contact, laugh and joke with each other and, and build trust in relationships, then a lot of those kind of issues around kind of mental and physical health, they're not going to be solved overnight, but, you know, it's a solid foundation to build on. Otherwise, everything else is just a sticking plaster and yeah, yeah. you're med medicalising it and you're labeling people when they don't need to be and you you know you know you know dealing with stuff that happens every day in schools that is part of growing up yeah that we ideally can be helping our kids to develop the skills so they deal with it themselves rather than having to be dealt with by an external agency because it's been labeled as something bigger than it actually is yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. And again, I'm not trying to be flippant. And, and no, I I agree with you. I mean, the, the, you can't judge. Like that's the, that's what, what you don't like. I don't judge when I speak to the the children in school because that's not what I'm there to do. Mm -hmm. I think you know it's nice because you get s some that come in to speak to you. You know, that are struggling with life, yeah. and it's just about sort of giving them some tips, like. You know, drink some water, change yeah. your diet, get out and go for a run. And what instead you're experiencing of, is normal. Yeah, completely normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. D them nerves are completely normal. Yeah. You, you know, you've split up with a girlfriend. You know that feeling of, oh, am I am I good enough? That kind yeah. of feeling. Yeah. Completely natural. Yeah. It's completely natural. It doesn't need to then escalate to, you know, like you say, a label or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. You can you can deal with that just with some little tips with some. Yeah watching videos online that kind of thing there's loads of great stuff to it the internet's obviously not a huge help for your mental health but there's so many things on there that can really help you if you use it appropriately oh, yeah exactly it's, it's really it's really decent um, so yeah it's, i thought i i really enjoy doing doing the school stuff because it like 
you it's like life experience kind of thing mm. you can sort of just little tips can really change a person yeah and change their outlook on on school yeah and i think some some younger people need that more often yeah i think that there's that maybe that feeling that that young people have today that maybe we didn't have quite so much that that feeling of you know we feel maybe we feel like we're being kind of judged because of the island's community but you know they're they're never off you know they're always on online they're always being judged they're always feeling like they have to have a perfect life potentially or you know nothing can go wrong and if it is then it's going to be discussed yeah they go home from school they've had a conversation with their friend that didn't go so well or they something's that they've had an argument with somebody and that carries on until two in the morning whereas when we left school that was it that was it left left gone you didn't see that person until the monday morning again and then he's probably forgotten about and you just move on and or if it is you just have a quick conversation and away you go it's like it's like you know that their issues follow them around and then they turn into even bigger and bigger things because they're following them around and I, I don't know how best to help them to cope with that because we haven't been through it but at the same time everything they're feeling is normal and everything that you know they're going through somebody will have gone through at some point in their adolescence and it's it's helping them understand what is something to seek help for and what is something that you know, formal help and, and what is something that is pretty normal and okay and you know it's that whole it's okay not okay not to be okay well, it is yeah it is it's, it's fine. it absolutely is and and if you're not then that's probably not okay do you know what I mean if you're yeah. not if you're not not okay then that's not okay just exactly and what we what what I think is happening now is you're seeing more and more people talking about it which is hopefully going to change the way the other man looks at it because it's a, like you say it's a it's a community as well it's a smaller community word gets around very fast the conversation can really escalate very fast and we yeah. can start to talk about it yeah like i said going in town and people coming up and saying you know i struggled that's incredible that they're they're in you know they're in the center of douglas and they're talking about their mental health openly just by reading something on facebook and yeah i think it's incredible and i I hope for the future that people continue to talk about it and get and we get out and we you know we listen to advice off people who would you know or get tip not not listen to advice but get tips from people who have been in that sort of place before yeah yeah and and have got through it and maybe yeah. um yeah maybe maybe used inappropriate strategies and and and, and can offer advice as to maybe different ways to think about it but yeah it, the conversations it's good to have the conversations but the conversations kind of have to be appropriate and they can't lead into you know over kind of medicalizing something that's just like a pretty normal emotional response to something that's happened that isn't very nice yeah <laughs> um and and can we build a society and, and create a society where you know people are able to just you know crack on and have the enough support around them to help them to crack on um and to persevere and to get through it and to it might take two weeks might take three weeks might take six months but it'll be better and just understanding it will be better if you just give it a bit of time and and don't worry about it too much and keep doing the right things sleep eat drink exercise laugh and you've got giving yourself a half decent chance yeah um, right and then if that all doesn't work then what's the next step but if you're not eating properly drinking properly exercising sleeping and having loads of good good moments in your life then no matter what medical uh, medicine you get on no matter how many counseling sessions you have you're still going back into that environment, environment again yeah, you, yeah. and you're going to spiral down yeah. again so um, yeah I think that that if if the if there is a tip, they're they're the five or six that, you know, we asked maybe get some tips out of out of us out of this podcast then. Eat well, sleep well, and drink well, laugh and exercise. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It, you know, you don't just what I say to people is can you be a little bit better tomorrow than you were today? So can you eat a little bit better to tomorrow than you did today? Even better 
even better, I should say. Um, can you help somebody else to be a little bit better tomorrow than they were today? Because if you help other people to do it, the chances are someone will help you. It'll go. It'll come back around if you're just interested in yourself. But if you, if I can support you to be a little bit better tomorrow than you were today, then maybe you might support me to do the same. And if we can have a community that looks at each other's mates and goes, like, what are you struggling with? What can I help you with? I'll support you to be a little bit better tomorrow than you were today. Then that'll hopefully be a virtuous circle, won't it? And it'll come back to you in the end because someone will do the same for you rather than just focusing on yourself. That's part of the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Because we're all just so self-absorbed yeah. and focused on ourselves. So you're building a community to help the community. Yeah. Which is honestly the first time, the first meeting we had, that was one of the main topics for each was, why can't we help bring the community back to how it was when you know, I was growing up, just to help each other? Like, how nice is it when you, you know, you hold the door for it, an older person, that feeling you get inside, it's like, wow, I've done something really good there. I feel good. Like, you don't see it, you don't get it often enough these days because, I don't know, it's just, it sort of died out. But yeah, you, we're more, we're more looking after ourselves. Yeah, like you said, yeah, self-absorbed. Yeah. It's put, you know, what, what can you do from somebody else that, for somebody else that makes their day a little bit better? What, yeah. what can you? How can you support somebody so their tomorrow is better than it was today? You know, and they don't have to be big things. It can be a hello, it can be a smile, it can be a, you know, you look good today. It can be, you know, whatever it might be. It, it doesn't have to be a big thing. And I think it, all the little small things we can do to help each other and support each other turns into a hugely big, positive um, community and environment. Um, I think we try and set our sights too high sometimes on what we need to do. Yeah. And it needs to be this massive intervention. Well, yeah. the intervention needs to be let's smile at each other more, let's talk to yeah, each yeah. other a little bit more, let's look at each other in the eye a little bit more. Let's, if somebody is asked for a little bit of assistance with someone, let's do it, let's follow it through, yeah. rather than um, blanking them in the street and having your headphones on when you're not listening to any music. <laughs> Ruthless. <laughs> right. We've spoken too long. We've spoken too long. Um, that's going to be two episodes of the podcast. No, that's it. <laughs> Not no one will listen to that for that long. No, but we we'll 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 rip it down. Edit it. Yeah, but yeah, I've really enjoyed it. No, it's been great, mate. Yeah, it has. Love talking been to you. Dead, dead interesting, and hopefully people can get something out of it. And yeah, we'll do this again. Um, hopefully you can you can get some tips out of it. Uh, and if you do need any any sort of anywhere to go to talk, please give us a shout.